You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, and welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for joining us today. I'm your host, Marcy Davis, along with my co-host, my working dog, Whistle. And we're thrilled to be here with you today to talk about working animals. We're familiar with animals as pets, but our show, Working Like Dogs, brings you the latest information about working animals. And today, I am really excited because we have a very special guest joining us. And that special guest is a good friend of mine and Whistle's. It's my husband and Whistle's dad, Franz Freibert. And Franz is a physicist at Los Alamos National Laboratory. And he's joining us today to talk about what it's like to live with a working dog team. You know, we always talk about the dogs and the dog's partners, but we're really going to talk about what it's like to live in a house with a working dog team. So we'll be right back with Franz Freibert right after these messages from our sponsors. So come right back. We'll be right back right after these messages. Stay tuned. Hey, ready to take a walk? Not just you, but the whole family. It's the 2009 Whisker Walk, Sunday, June 7th from 11 to 3 at the Lancaster Fairground in Lancaster, Massachusetts. Pet owners and animal lovers walk to lend a paw to benefit the animal shelters and pet charities they love. Come see exhibits, demonstrations, educational programs, special attractions, product giveaways, entertainment, auctions, raffles, food, fun, and things for adults and kids to see, do, and buy, both human and pet related. Whisker Walk 2009, a fun day for everyone. For more information, log on to whiskerwalk.org. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander is up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Join us each week on Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai, will talk about what makes you howl and what hisses you off. Pet Peeves, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. I'm your host, Marcy Davis, and my co-host, Whistle, on Working Like Dogs at Pet Life Radio. And with us today is Franz Freibert. And Franz is our very special guest, who is my husband and Whistle's dad. So hello, Franz, and thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Well, I'm so glad that you're here today because, you know, we always hear and talk about the service dog and the service dog recipient, but we hardly ever get a chance to talk about and think about what it means for other people that live in a home with a service dog and their partner. So I'm so glad that you were willing to come on today and talk about that with me. 
Yes, thank you. <laughs> so let's jump right in then. So what was your reaction when I told you that I wanted to get a service dog? I was really happy. I was surprised. Uh, we had watched a documentary together concerning service dogs and the opportunities that they offered for their team members. And so for me, I just, I just couldn't imagine you know, that in our lives. But I was extremely happy about it and grateful for the opportunity. Yeah, it was a big change, wasn't it? Because we, we had cats. We had never had a dog really in our life. So it was really, it was a huge change to have a dog living with us 24 hours a day. And I remember when we went to the training because I'm now on my third dog and when I went to get my first dog, I had to go to a training facility where I was um, there alone for two weeks. And I remember Franz went, flew up with me and helped me get acclimated in my hotel room and, and figure all the logistics out. Because as a wheelchair user, it was really scary to go to a strange community for a whole two weeks by myself and and embark on this new adventure. But Franz, what was it like for you when you went up there with me? Because you were so, there, what, two days? I was there, uh, yeah, six days. And uh, as you said, tried to arrange the uh, hotel room to accommodate you as best we could. And then it uh, was really tough because I had attended the first two days of training, I believe it was, and then I had to leave. So it was very very trying for me to have to leave you, but uh, I could see you were very engaged in what you were doing. You were preparing yourself for, uh, you're focused on the training and preparing yourself uh, to become a team member. And so I knew you were doing what you needed to do, and, uh, and uh, it satisfied me that you would be doing that. Well, it was so cool because at the end of the training, you got to come back for the graduation, which was a tearjerker graduation. They warned us it was going to be really, really emotional, but I didn't realize how much it would be. But when you came back, you spent the weekend there at the end of the process. What was it like for you when you first met my service dog, Ramona? Well, we had been driving for 24 hours, uh, <laughs> myself and our friends, Dot and Jim, and so we were extremely exhausted, but I have to say, when we finally did arrive there, not only was I <laughs> happy to be there, uh, simply to be getting out of a car, but also it was really difficult. I, I was happy to see you, happy to see your, your partner, your canine partner, Ramona, but the toughest thing was to greet you but not greet her. And it was very, very trying for me because I knew I couldn't touch her. I couldn't uh, adversely influence the bond that the two of you were forming. So it was extremely difficult. Well, and I have to say that you were so respectful about that bond. And you have been ever since I got my first dog for the over 16 years that you've lived with a dog. And and I think that's what really made me think about this because I've watched you step back and let me take the lead role in that relationship. And then you've also stepped up when I've needed you to help me with my service dog. So you've made it really clear to them that you're there for them, but you're not their primary caregiver which has been really cool to watch over the years. And I remember so well, you couldn't talk to Ramona. For, for what was it? It was supposed to be a month that you weren't supposed to have any interaction with her. 
And I should tell our that's, listeners, that's right. you were really good with that for the first week. And one of the things when you get a service dog, at least I was told, that I needed to keep my dog on my wheelchair at all times. So even when I was in the bathroom, I had to keep my dog the leash on my wheelchair. And so I was in the shower and I got out of the shower and I noticed that Ramona wasn't attached to my wheelchair. So I got out and I went looking for her and I found Ramona, my black lab, in the floor, belly up, playing with you, Franz. And both of you look so guilty, but I remember you looking at me and saying, we just couldn't stand it any longer. <laughs> and I, I thought that was so great, but... I mean, I can't imagine how hard it must have been for you not to have touched the dogs as beautiful and vivacious and lively as they are. That's true. And uh, I will never tell who actually was responsible for her being off your chair. However, <laughs> however, uh, for me, it was extremely difficult. And as soon as you uh, caught us, um, I uh, pleaded guilty. Uh, pled guilt, and um, and uh, I knew that uh, she needed to continue bonding with you. That's right, and you both did behave very well. So I know having a service dog really changed our lives a lot, and that first year of transition was really, it was really hard, changing our lives and, and having a service animal with us. What was the greatest lesson that you think you learned, Franz, during that first year? During that first year, the greatest lesson for me was to remain patient, to listen to your concerns, to try to keep you focused on the end goal, which was to, uh, to become a team member, uh, for her to provide you with uh, the safety and security that I knew that was possible at the end, um, and just to be patient listen to your concerns, but uh, continue to uh, keep you focused on the purpose for that period of time. And what would you say that your relationship has been with, with each of my service dogs? Because first we had Ramona, and then we had Morgan, who is a golden retriever. And I should tell our listeners that Morgan is retired now and lives in our home. Um, he gets to chill out on the couch and, and take it easy. And now I'm with my third dog, your co-host, Whistle. So how would you describe your relationship with the service dogs, Franz? What's, what's it like? That's a good question. Uh, I, I mean, I provide care for them, so I do take them out when they need exercise and a little relief because they are, after all, canines. And so they, they're very social animals. Uh, they like a little time off. Uh, they need the interactions and the play. Um, I, I guess I'd call it a healthy distraction from, uh, from the work environment they, they exist in the majority of the time. Uh, so I do provide them a little play, a little relief, uh, a little caretaking when you're not uh, when you're not there or you're busy or something like that, meaning that uh, you're not immediately there with them. Um, also, um, whenever you've had either health issues or things like that, and uh, you had your own uh, limitations, then I knew then I would have to pick up that, but it's always a secondary role to the role that you're playing as a member of the team. 
I know one of the things that you did when I was in the hospital and had to have surgery and Morgan was in the hospital with us because, you know, my service dog's with us 24 hours a day. And one of the things that you did was you had to start feeding Morgan because, as many of you know, when you have a service dog, one of the important things is that you have to feed that dog and you have to respond to all their needs, which that's my responsibility as a service dog team member. And one of the things that you did, Franz, that I thought was so great is you brought the food to my hospital bed and you fed Morgan right there in my hospital room and you would get the food out, you'd put it in the bowl and then he would sit as he does every day and he would still look at me laying in the hospital bed to tell him when he could release and eat his breakfast or dinner. And I just thought that was such a great thing that you did to support me as the service dog human partner and to support Morgan because he really knew that you were helping him, but yet I was still the leader of our little pack. And I thought that was a great idea and a really great, respectful way to work with us. That's true. Yeah, for for me, I think it was pretty obvious that you needed to, he needed to see you once again as his uh, his team member. It needed to be a, a, a very close-knit relationship. And so physically, I could do those things that at the moment you weren't able to do. However, the uh, verbal commands, which for him are the most important, right? That's the most important aspect of the communication between the two of you. You've got to retain that link, that that connection with him. So that is extremely important, I think, and, and that would be something I would advise other family members to do as much as you can to maintain that connection, that communication, that communication between the uh, team partners. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I think it's just so important to support that. And I think, you know, it's interesting how when you bring a dog into a home, I know when I've gone through all the application processes, because every time I get even a replacement or a successor dog, I have to go through the application process. And a big part of that application is, what is your home environment like? Are there any other people in your home and how do they feel about you bringing a service animal into their lives as well as your own and do you have any other animals and any other pets or you know what kind of environment are you bringing this animal into and I know you and I went through that process when I was applying I had to ask you and and get even for you to sign that you supported it Um, I believe you had to sign the application with me I do believe that was true on with Ramona. I can't remember if that was true with Morgan and Whistle, but but yeah, yeah. That, that's absolutely true. You, uh, that connection, um, uh, that accepting the responsibility, because it is a responsibility as well, but there is an exchange for that responsibility. The exchange being uh, the awareness, my, my feeling that you would be safe and secure with having a service dog around with all they're capable of retrieving telephones, retrieving emergency response devices, anything else. For me, it was easy to make that commitment to serving in or you know serving in the role that I am and providing the support to you and the uh, canine partner uh, as best I can 
because I know that for me uh, there's a, a great um, sense of uh, the capability of the dog in providing you with um, everything that they can, which uh, then, I'll be selfish, relieves me of a lot of those duties. So, Well, that's the beauty of it, right? It makes, right. It makes the person more independent, so you can a- live a full life. Yeah. Well, we're going to continue talking with our guest today, Franz Freibert, about this really cool topic after these messages from our sponsors. So please come right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No. To my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. When you're looking to add a pet into your life, consider adopting a homeless animal from your local shelter or rescue group. Whether you want a kitten, puppy, or a more mature pet, a purebred or a -a one-of-a-kind mixed breed, even a rabbit or hamster, your shelter has the best selection of animals anywhere, all screened for good health and behavior. PetLifeRadio.com presents Take Me Home with your host, Susan Daffron. Join us each week as we showcase wonderful pets, tell stories, and even throw some pet education into the mix. So get ready to find out why the pet adoption option can be a great way to add a furry companion into your life. Take me home every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs at Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Marcy Davis, and Whistle, my co-host. And we're talking today to Franz Freibert about what it's like to live with a service animal and their human partner. So, Franz, we've been talking about all kinds of really, really great things that, that you've experienced as living with the service dog team and, and going through this process as watching it and living with it. And, you know, one of the questions that I get all the time about my service dogs is, does your dog ever get to play? Because people see them all professional with their vests on and and working out in the community, and they can't imagine that they really get time to play. So, Franz, can you answer that question for us? Do service dogs get to play? 
Yes, <laughs> they get a lot of play time uh, as well as the work time. But yeah, they are extremely happy at the end of the day, like everyone, to throw their working clothes off, to uh, eat a nice meal, uh, engage in play. We play uh, because both of your service dogs, your uh, retired service dog, Morgan, and your current working dog, Whistle, they have their favorite toys. They're both retrievers, so obviously retrieving, chasing, playing, anything to engage them, to uh, celebrate life as it, as it were with them. Uh, they're such good uh, animals. They are so well-behaved. They are very receptive and res responsive to you and to me as well, especially Morgan now that he's uh, uh, full-time retired. Uh, but uh, they love to play. They love to uh, to run around, uh, get excited, uh, even uh, play with our cats. So, yeah, <laughs> lots do. of playtime. And I always think that they've always thought of you almost as another dog with them because they get so excited when you come home at the end of the day, and they love to play with you at night. But yet... As if I need them while you're playing, which sometimes I do if I drop something or I need their assistance, I'm always amazed at how quickly you guys stop that and everybody gets back into to working mode really quickly and stops the play and responds. So I, I just have to commend you for that, for your ability to turn on the play and turn off the play because it is such an important part for them, for their mental health and their health as a working dog to get that play time. Well, I, I will say this. They are working dogs, and so I think for them, they derive as much pleasure from providing services to you as they do play. You can see it in them, especially if you get them excited with your voice. They are, are ready and willing to go at any time to help you in any way they can. And so uh, for me, it's just being able to disengage from that behavior. But for them, that's the easy part. They love to work. That's what they are. That's who they are. But for the most difficult thing, I think, why they need some relief is that focus on being there all the time. That, I think, is the more difficult thing for them over retrieving, um, providing you with whatever they need to. You know, they are dogs, once again, short attention spans, so they do have the need to go have distractions and things like that. So I think play as opposed to work for them is just work is a, a repeated focused period of time. And so play is a lot of the same activities, but just distractions galore. Yeah, you know, that's a good point. I really hadn't thought of that until you said that. But when they work, the look on their face is very similar to the same look on their face when they play. They are just as excited and happy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. I, I remember um, when you and I were working with Ramona, one of the tasks that she was supposed to do was to pull my wheelchair. And she had not mastered that task by the time that, that I was 
assigned to her. And so they told us, though, how to work with her and to help her achieve that training after we got home. And do you remember, Franz, when we were at the mall training Ramona and how it clicked in her little head of what we wanted her to do and how excited and how we had the group hug, the three of us in the middle of the mall? (laughs) Yes. I don't know which one of us was the happiest. (laughs) (laughs) She was, I I recall, she was extremely happy. Uh, In fact, you and I were so uh, energized by the possibilities of that moment, meaning her seeing her mentally grasp what we were trying to communicate to her and ask her to do, that we went home and we tried other things. I remember we taught her by putting peanut butter under your foot plate to lift your foot plate, which was or your briefcase holders. That's what it was. And she 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 learned so quickly and and was so engaged in that activity and enjoyed it so much. It was like play, and I think, really, I have to say that for effective training has to be like play. Yeah, yeah. Well, you and I were the novices at dogs at the time, and it really was amazing to see her mental... I mean, her mentally grasped what we were trying to get. It was as if she had spoken to us. It was the coolest thing. But since then, we've had so many experiences like that with the service dog. It's just one of the greatest gifts in the world. I mean, I just, I feel so blessed every day to have a service dog in our lives. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. And, and I just wish more people could have them, And which is why we're doing this show, Working Like Dogs, because we really want people to know the impact that they have And we're just talking about service dogs. I mean, there's so many other working dogs out there that it's the same situation where they really are changing and saving lives every, every day. I have to ask you, Franz, you know, what do you think surprised you the most about living with a service dog? Surprised me the most. The ability that the canine has in doing things, adapting to situations. They are just so impressive in their ability to adapt, to change from one situation to another, one place to another. We could be on travel. They would they get on a plane, they get off a plane, they get in a strange vehicle, they go into a strange building. They are all over the place, but provide consistent um, attention to you. Um, the, and need uh, provide services for your needs. Um, I guess that is the thing that struck me the most um, is their ability to to do their job in many, many, many different situations, circumstances. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. As you were saying that, I was just thinking about all the different things we've put my service dogs through of traveling internationally and being in loud concerts. And I was just so impressed by how they've they've always behaved. And, and, you know, it's just hats off to their trainers and the puppy raisers because, boy, have they done a good job. Wow, it it really is amazing. I would also add... Yes, the socialization of, uh, of canine partners um, early on in life, the greater experience base that the uh, dogs have, the broader uh, sense of the world that they have, I think the, uh, the better for them when they do become uh, canine partners and they are teamed with, some, uh, with a person simply because it just gives them confidence in all situations. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I wanted to ask you, Franz, if you, what would you tell other spouses or family members or partners whose loved ones are thinking about getting a service dog? What could you tell them to help prepare them for their loved one's new canine partner? Um, the things I would tell them are to remain patient, uh, to be supportive, to listen to the trainers as well because when the partner, when the human partner is receiving instruction on how to use their service dog, um, they need to um, pay attention as well because there will be times uh, when they actually have to fill uh, the role of the partner in some respects, meaning caretaking and the like. So uh, they need to pay attention to what's going on, uh, remain supportive, as, a, as I said earlier, uh, provide support in the way of uh, maintaining focus on the end result of the partnership. I mean, there there is, in the long run, uh, the benefit that you must recognize to get you through the transition and uh, to support the transition. So you have to know that there will be benefit on the other side of that transition period uh, from becoming a newly introduced partners to a well-formed, mature partnership. Yeah, those are great points. And, you know, I know the transition that first year, and it's been that way for every dog that I've had, that first year is really the big time period when you're bonding and you're really figuring out how to work with each other and and what makes each other tick and what your strengths and weaknesses are because nobody's perfect and no dog is perfect. So you really have to discover that together and building that trust is just so important. And one of the other things I wanted to ask you about is you and I also went through losing Ramona and, and having to say goodbye to her which was one of the most difficult things I've ever had to do. And I've, I mean, I've lost family members, and I've, I've had a disability for a really long time, but I wasn't prepared for the loss of my first service dog and how devastating that was going to be. So, Franz, is there anything you could share with our listeners about how to deal with that, with the retirement and the ultimate death of a service dog? Well, uh, once again, it will be a transition, but unfortunately a sad transition. So once again, patience. Uh, it will be difficult, uh, a difficult period of time. Although you'll never truly get over the loss, life does move on, um, and uh, you have to once again remain focused that you know, in the transition and getting through the transition. I think, as with you, we talked about this quite a bit, you know, the uh, sense of loss, the anger associated with losing uh, such an important part of your being, the sadness and the struggle with uh, the recognition of that loss. And uh, ultimately, as with you, and I hope others who do suffer that loss recognize that uh, working dogs are, are working dogs. This is their livelihood. This is what they do. This is who they are. And so for them, it's part of their being. And so they, and, and as with life, you know, we're born and we die. And so in, in the end, I think um, it's important to recognize that these animals 
are, are providing a, a very uh, integral service to their partners. And they enjoy it. That's part of their being. And so why not enjoy uh, another partner? Sometimes it sounds cold, but it's, it's not intended that way because ultimately this is what they do. And, and so unfortunately dogs don't live as long as human beings. So uh, I think with most people, it is a very difficult thing to struggle through. But in the end, uh, and, and if you can bring yourself to it and transition to a new service dog, you recognize that you're doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing by yourself. You're doing the right thing by employing another service dog. And, uh, and, uh, but you always do uh, recognize the respect that you had for your deceased uh, service dog and the, and the lost dog. So. Yeah, well, I think that's a great point. And I know one of the things that you did that really helped me to get through that tremendous loss was figuring out ways that I could memorialize Ramona and honor her. And you and I did that in several ways that were really meaningful to us and and in carrying on her legacy. And I think that was was really, really important for both my <laughs> for cathartic for me to realize to honor her and that I wasn't betraying her by going forward with my second dog and and realizing the role that she played and that she continues to play and you and I have have done some of that already with Morgan with his retirement so it's just it's just such an amazing incredible relationship and I just want to thank you Franz for being with us today and for sharing your honest experiences and perceptions about what you've experienced and I hope it will help other people out there who are living with the service dog team or who may be one of these days because I just think it's such a tremendous gift Um, to have a working dog in your life and to have a supportive person like you as a partner and a a piece of that success too. So thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. Well, it's been great and we just want to encourage you to please visit us at PetLifeRadio.com and you can email me Marcy at PetLifeRadio.com if you have any questions comments or any ideas for a future show so thank you and we want to thank our sponsors for making Working Like Dogs available and we look forward to you joining us on our next show thanks so much Let's Talk Pets every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com